This is 15 Minutes of Freedom. I'm your host, Ryan Idell, and today's episode is coming full circle. Today, I'm going to share with you some incredible things that have hit me like a ton of bricks square in the eyes over this past weekend, and hopefully open up your awareness to you potentially going through the same thing. So at every individual point in my life that I can ever remember taking massive strides forward, I had a mentor. I had a coach, I had a consultant, I had someone that cared about my success maybe more than I did. Now, of course, in those individual moments, I can't say that I actually saw it that way. Right, Especially at a younger age, I didn't really want to be told much of anything. Perhaps you can relate, maybe not, but it's interesting to me. It's interesting to me as I am auditing as 2019 comes to an end. And I'm auditing where I've been, how I got here, and where I want to go to. It's something I encourage you to do consistently, right? If there's not 90-day check-ins and you can't see some of the blind spots that exist in your life, I would encourage you to find somebody to help you do that. There's so much growth and so much power that happens just from being aware of what could be. In my auditing, in my expansion of, I'll say, my own consciousness, I was having a a conversation with who I would say would be, I guess, my second serious, serious girlfriend. We're going way back in, in time, right? This is high school, freshman year of college, whatever it would be. This is a long time ago. And we're having a conversation in social media. Right? Very open. There's nothing that, you know, it would be questionable, just a a general conversation. And it's dawning on me, uh, the the reason for our conversation was based off some sort of post that I made. And she asked if I could ever see myself or saying that I was always welcome, you know, to, to come back to her house and be around her family. And it was a very kind thing to say. Admittedly, I would never have that be part of my life now. Although... Gosh, more than 13 years has passed, right? The the past is there for a reason. But her father is the one that played really one of the most instrumental roles in my life that I probably have up until right now. See, he was a man at 14 that offered me a job working for him. Originally, it was just cleaning out a boat that he had tucked away in in, uh, a barn, and I, at the point that he offered me the job, I didn't remember, I didn't know anything about him, right? He was just a next-door neighbor, kind of catty-cornered across the street from where I live. He had three daughters, and one of which I actually walked down to a local pool, right? She was a year or two younger than I was. And he comes down with his, at that point, a friend from his hometown, which oddly enough was Canton, Ohio, and says, hey, you know, we'd, we'd like a job. Well, I'm Without even knowing what the job was, my answer was yes, of course. Right, I've been a capitalist for a very long time. <laughs> I enjoy making money, and I enjoy learning. And so I take him up on this job, and he says, okay, be at my house at this time, or be at the office at this time, or whatever it was. And I, di- I didn't know anything about where his office was. I didn't know anything about him. And so I show up, and there's this 10,000-square-foot warehouse. Maybe it's even larger than that. And it was set up to be a machine shop, but inside there were 
a handful Harley-Davidson motorcycles, you know, say 1995 Dodge Ram pickup truck, a white and tan Ford Expedition, and this boat, and file boxes, things like that. And my job was to make the boat look as good as I possibly could. Well, there's dead mice in the boat, and there's all types of stuff in the boat, right? It was nasty. I still don't like mice, admittedly. This time of year, our house backs, butts up against the woods. And every once in a while, a, a mouse finds its way into our house. Right? It's a warm place, and we're up against the woods, so field mice come in from time to time. And they creep me out. For whatever the reason, mice just really weird me out. And it wasn't any different back then, right? I'm 14 and clean out the boat and I ended up doing what I believe to be a pretty good job of it. A good enough job that he then asked if I'd like to continue to work, right? If if I'd like to continue doing odd jobs for him. And here I am at 14, having my mom drive me back and forth to his office or figuring out how to get there after school or whatever it would be. But I started taking care of his, his property, right? Mowing the yard that not only his office, but his home and the farm that they own. I began really taking care of his cars and cleaning the office, doing things. And these were all things that he didn't need me to do, right? He extended me an olive branch because he could see that I was hungry and I wanted to make a living, right? I wanted to earn money. And over the period of him allowing me to work for him, I can now see it so much differently than I could at the time. And this is where this whole full circle idea comes from. So I remember very specifically as I began cleaning his office, they would have this white glove test. And I don't, admittedly don't recall which day of the week I would clean the office. But there was one set date every week where I would clean the office. And it was after hours, right? I had to wait till the staff left. And the first time I cleaned it, it just wasn't up to his standards. And I thought it was crazy. Like, I spent hours cleaning the office, right? Wood doors and wood baseboards and dishes in the sink and just all types of things. And he walked me around the next day when I got there after school and said, look, like this is just isn't acceptable. It has to be clean, clean. And here I'm at 14, 15, maybe even 16 at this point. And I'm frustrated. I'm like, man, this is so anal retentive. This is so over the top. Come to find out what he was really teaching me was just how much details matter. And that the small things that we do create the big things that we're capable of. But I didn't see that back then. And admittedly, I don't know if I saw it until this past weekend. But that's the first of many lessons I'm going to share. Although this won't be a long episode, it certainly is incredibly impactful to me. And so there were times back in that part of life in which I was trusted with what I call the keys to the kingdom. I didn't have a time clock, right? I got to come and go as I please. And I admittedly took advantage of that. Here I am, you know, 15, 16, probably at that point 16 years old, 17 years old. And knowing that there was nobody there to supervise me, knowing that I felt like I could get away with some things, right? I would write down on my schedule, or write down on my timesheet that I was there when I had left to go get food or when I wasn't actively on the clock. And whether this was a combination of 
20 hours or two hours or whatever the timetable would have been. Again, this is years and years and years ago. I got caught. And he sat me down in the office and I'm nervous, right? My voice, I can know, I can remember it. My hands are sweating. My voice is shaking. And I'm caught red-handed. And he asked why. And I said, I don't really have an excuse, right? When it really is, I did. It was because I thought I could get away with it because I started putting money in front of all else. Not a really healthy place to be. And he said, what do you think you should do about it? I said, Millie, if I was in your position, I'd, I'd fire me. I don't really deserve the job after taking advantage of your trust. Well, he was kind enough not to do that and allowed me to, I believe I worked for a week or two complimentary, right, with not getting paid. And that certainly wasn't complimentary. It was, in my mind, repaying the debt that I had accumulated by saying I was there when I wasn't. Certainly not my finest moment, but nonetheless, a moment that existed. And he taught me something about leadership in that moment that I didn't recognize until this past weekend. And that's the power of asking somebody what they think should happen. I know it would have been very easy for him to say you're fired. Maybe in hindsight, that would have been the best decision. But he allowed me the opportunity to work off the debt and to be my own judge, jury, and executioner. I didn't fully realize what that meant until I got to go through it. And he was the first one to ever expose me to a different type of lifestyle. The first private plane I was ever on was one that he chartered to take us to a little facility in in Canada. I think it was Strathroy, Canada. So he owned a manufacturing representative company and there's a little airport in Mansfield that was Mansfield Lom Airport and we took his car or I drove a Suburban or Denali or something that he had out to out to the airport. And a group of four to six of us flew flew to this meeting. So I didn't realize the magnitude of what it was to fly in a private plane at that point. I was a small town kid that had never got to experience stuff like that. At that point, I don't even know if I'd traveled to Columbus before. And he certainly didn't have to bring me with him. I had no benefit or value other than the fact that this man just realized that he was opening me up to different possibilities of what could be. Right, I started working for him. He had two separate Cadillacs were his primary mode of transportation. His wife had one and he had one. And there's certainly nothing wrong with Cadillac STS and SLS back then. And I was in charge of keeping them clean and detailed and polished and all the fun stuff. Man loved a clean car. Who then taught me <laughs> to love a clean car. But from that standpoint, as I perceive that his business was doing better, is doing better, right? I have no idea how it's doing currently. I can't imagine anything other than immensely successful. He was the first one to expose me to high-end German cars, right? He had a 2000 or 2001 7 Series BMW. And I was enamored with this car. Man, silver, light gray leather interior, footrest in the back seat. No one in the small town of Mansfield had big body European cars, specifically not German. And so it was breathtaking to be able to sit behind the wheel and that he trusted me to drive it. And whenever him and I would travel places together, he always had books on tape. Back then it was tape, occasionally CDs, that he would listen to. Right? Because being a manufacturing representative, he's on the road a lot. 
I believe it was Columbus and Detroit and surrounding areas, but at this point I don't admittedly re- recall. And I thought, man, this is so foolish. Like, you got this great sound system. You're in this incredible car. Why are you listening to these boring, boring books? Right, one of the books I remember listening to at this point, which I now have read multiple times, is Jack Welsh, the kind of the the CEO of General Electric that was given credit for massively changing the culture and ultimate profitability of GE, General Electric. Jack Walsh's book, Straight from the Gut. And just, it's like seared into my mind. Like I remember listening to him, like, man, this is so boring. Because he would have me drive when we would go places. And admittedly, I don't know that he would have me drive, but he knew I enjoyed driving. I mean, it was like this privilege to be able to operate these cars. And now what do I find myself doing? I don't listen to music very often. I look at the windshield time as time to create, time to produce, time to learn new skills. And while I've been fortunate enough to make the commute from my home to this office very short now, a handful of miles. As my wife and daughter and I plan to go down and see my father in Atlanta for Thanksgiving, just a few short days away. It's a nine-hour drive, and I'm already mapping out which books I can listen to on this trip, which drive my wife and daughter crazy because it's boring to them. But here's this man that 12, 13, 14, 15 years ago was showing me these inherent success principles that I wasn't even open to receiving. Now, of course, I enjoyed working out back then, not nearly as much as I do now, but he always wanted me to get up and come over in the morning to work out. Like that's just when it happens, right? And he'd be on the treadmill and he'd be sweating, and the you know CNN or CNBC would be cranked up on the on the TV. It was so loud, and he'd work out hard, and it was it was quick. It wasn't for building muscle; it was to make his body efficient, to keep him healthy. And I say this is so crazy. Like, why would you get up and work out in the morning? You own your own business. Do it in the afternoon. That's when you're the strongest. That's when it's the best. And I remember him sharing with me, like, no. I don't know, like successful people get up and do stuff in the morning. They have a ritual. They have a routine. They fuel themselves. They fuel their mind. They fuel their body. I thought, man, this is crazy. Well, here I'm at 35 versus when I was 16, literally living the life that he was trying to teach me to live back then. I get up in the morning. I work out. I read every day. I'm in the car. I consume audiobooks. Right? I, I like to see other people around me succeed. I like to donate and give energy and effort where I can to people that are in need of it or searching for it. And it's hitting me as I'm having this conversation, just the impact that this man had on my life 20 years earlier. Now, admittedly, as time would progress and his daughter and I ended up dating and then ultimately breaking up, there were tough feelings that went back and forth during that time. Right? Feelings of me not enjoying conflict. And big surprise there, right? Especially if you listen to the show, I was the most adverse to conflict guy in the world. So instead of being a man and sitting down and having a conversation with him and his daughter and his wife, saying, look, you know, I'm going to go a different direction, I didn't. And while the story that I remember is that his daughter broke up with me, it's somewhat immaterial. Right, I didn't, I didn't own the truth of the situation. You know, there's just so much during that time that I, w- I didn't want to go to school. I didn't love college. 
at all. I didn't even like it. I looked at it like the things that I was learning were so pointless and so frivolous that all I really needed was a mentor. I needed somebody to allow me to apprentice to see if what I wanted to do made sense. You know, here's this man that had amassed this empire, and by this point, you know, multiple cars and multiple homes and multiple everything, and done incredibly well for himself without a college degree or education. Sometime around, I believe, my age now, he bought out a business partner and went out on his own. And I could be mistaken at the time, but in my mind, he was mid-30s. And during all this, right, I just, I began lying. I didn't want to face the facts. And so we part ways under tumultuous circumstances, say, say the least. And I remember sitting in this kitchen table and he's, you know, and very appropriately so saying, look, you have a couple of days to get all your stuff and get out. Like anything that's connected to me or the building or the job, you know, you're gone. Got a couple of days to pay for the car you've been driving because he was kind enough that I didn't have to pay for my own car at that point. I had a, what I call a company car. It was a, gosh, Mercury Sable, I believe, one of those old egg looking cars. And it was worth six or seven grand. And I certainly at that point didn't have six or seven grand laying around. So I had to borrow money. And then like the dumbass kid I was took that money that I borrowed from somebody else, got the title to the car, came down to Columbus and leased a brand new Pontiac Grand Prix GXP. The big V8 in it. Because I'm a car guy, right? A black on black first new car. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I got it. I'm doing it. And of course, so I lease this car and I, Remember back then, I believe my payment was 340 bucks a month, but with enjoying to drive fast cars and having him have a plethora of them, my driving record wasn't nearly um, wonderful, to say, it, say the least, right? A lot, of, a lot of speeding tickets. And so my insurance was as much as my car payment. And here I am working odd jobs to make that happen, and none of it's making sense. Then eventually I jumped into the automotive world in that same small dealership as I've shared so often on this show. And a year or so has passed, maybe two, maybe three. I don't know the timetable. Whatever my remembrance is, I'm sure is skewed. And the insecurities that are me at that point in life have me right on the little like, about us card that sits outside the office. I had overinflated what it is that I had done for his company. I made it sound more sales-esque than it really was with way more experience than I really had. And I remember him coming in and feeling like he wanted to have this conversation, right? Enough time had passed that it was like, look, we can get back on the same page. And I remember him seeing that post, that thing, and just in my mind being so mad or so hurt or so frustrated that he ends up leaving. And the best of my recollection, that's the last time I saw him. Probably 13 years ago, maybe longer, maybe less. Doesn't really matter, right? But as I look at how my live, uh, how I live my life now, all the things that he had shown me back then are really things that now I live my life by. And it's crazy how full circle it comes, right? Because the old saying of when the what when the student's ready, the teacher will appear. I just wasn't ready. I couldn't hear what he was sharing. 
And it's not that I didn't believe in his success. It's not that I didn't trust in his ability. I mean, he had, quote unquote, all the things that I would have ever wanted from the outside. I certainly don't know how the inside of anyone's life works. But I just wasn't able to hear what he was sharing. I wasn't able to listen to it, or whatever the right term would be. And all this comes from a simple conversation with that same girl that I dated, right, again, 15 years earlier. When she's offering me the olive branch, ever stop by her parents' house and say hello. And I said, you know, admittedly, when that, when that day comes, it'll be me ringing the doorbell on my own volition, by myself, saying thank you for all the things that he had given me without me knowing I was receiving them. And so the question then that I have for you is, I know you have people like that in your life right now. You have someone that wants to offer you help or assistance. You have someone that's trying to show you or guide you away into something better. But are you open to receiving what they're sharing? Or are you closed off because you're not quite in the state of mind to realize what you're capable of? Now, who knows what would have come of my life had I taken different directions back then. And admittedly, I truly believe that I'm the sum total of all the parts of the whole. Everything that I've went through has made me exactly who I am. And while the lessons have been painful, I can't say that I would have wanted to not learn any of them. I wish so many things would have been different from that time in life. I wish that I wouldn't have allowed material possessions to cloud my judgment. I wish I would have had more of a backbone and would have been able to have more conflict resolution. But I didn't have those things. But I get to have them now. And so as it pertains to you and whether it's inside of your body and what's important to you there and you have someone that knows a little bit more than you inside the gym or appears to. And potentially they're offering you guidance and help and you look at it as a condescending piece of information because you didn't ask for it. But all they do, all they're sharing is things that they know will help you because they care. Maybe you could be a little more open-minded to that. Or maybe it's a relationship thing, right? Maybe you're like me and you're making a mess of your relationship right now. And nobody wants to say that out loud, but we all do it from time to time. Maybe somebody close to you, someone that's got a few more trips around the sun is sharing with you like, hey, you should go left, not right. I encourage you to consider being open-minded to that. And certainly if it's inside of business and there's a mentor or coach or consultant, there's someone you believe to have answers, are you open-minded to actually receiving them? I certainly hope so because it, you don't need to take the same 15 years I did to, to recognize the truth. And that truth is that inherently people are good and they care about you. With that, I'm Ryan Nidell, wishing you truly unlimited success.